Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, the podcast from Hell of Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Like our recent episode with sisters Regina and Raina King about the why behind their production company, Royal Ties. We have such a huge love for storytelling without walls, without barriers. Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Creature Feature, a production of iHeartRadio. I'm your host of Mini Parasites, Katie Golden. I studied psychology and evolutionary biology, and today on the show, hey, is your refrigerator running? Well, you better go catch it and stop the appliance singularity and uprising that will lead to our inevitable downfall. That's right, today we're taking all your prank calls, as long as you're a bird. Animal pranks aren't always just for fun. They can be crucial for survival. We're going to fall down a web of lies, deceit, and outright mockery. Discover this and more as we answer the age-old question. You can pick your nose, you can pick your friend's nose, but can you pick a monkey's nose? Joining me today to start our own YouTube prank channel is co-host of Gamefully Unemployed, devious friend of the pod, David Bell. Hi, thanks for having me on. I, I love pranking animals. <laughs> it's what I do. It's 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 one of my my favorite hobbies. Yes, yes. We know all the pranks you play on your cat, like mm-hmm. the fake vomit. It's sort yeah. of like a payback though because you your cat lays out real vomit for you. That's true. So, yeah, when she's sleeping, sometimes I put her paw in a little bowl of warm water. <laughs> uh, and then she herself. pees and then I have to clean it because uh she's not going to do it sounds like these these pranks are sort of a pyrrhic victory yeah we're also joined by our wonderful producer joelle monique hi guys how are you good (laughs) ready for some some pranks some ashton kutcher what was that show called pranked Pranked. punked yeah punked Punked. i'm a old person (laughs) 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 oh pranks I got to tell you, I wish somebody would come around here and pick me with some water balloons or something. <laughs> it is mm-hmm. scorching hot. So I'm ready to hear about the antics of others because I just feel like I'm melting. Yeah, yeah. I Actually, we are going to talk about some watery pranks, and it did just make me jealous that I wasn't the one getting pranked. Mm. Have you guys seen these like prank YouTube channels? Sure. Where it seems like they just, the whole premise of it is they go around being mean to people and then they call it a prank like a prank yeah, i don't is, like that yeah i don't like that i think there's a clear distinction between like a good natured like 
oh, you fell for it. Yeah. And a uh, person whose feelings are legitimately hurt. That's why uh, the best genre on YouTube is pranks gone wrong, where someone oh. does a prank and it goes really bad for them. Yeah, I'm there's reminded the... of. Go ahead. Are we thinking of the same video? Possibly. The, <clears throat> the one where the guy like throws a tiny net on someone and runs through a mall and a guy karate kicks him. Oh, no. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, don't go running around well, throwing nets on people. Well, what, what can you, you say? No, the one I was thinking of was a guy dressed as like a Yeti or something hid in a trash can and sprung out of the trash can and the guy <laughs> that he startled just punched him right in the face. I love that yeah. video. I love it because it's like, it's a perfect example to teach people about fight or flight mm, responses. Mm. Because a lot of people are going to have the flight response of like jump back, run away. This guy had the fight response, which was punch this thing right in the face immediately. <laughs> Move. <laughs> <laughs> I got to respect somebody who's always on their toes. And it looked like he knocked him out cold. Like that guy yeah. just drops into yeah. the bucket. Don't scare the, people. In- it's not nice. Right? Slumps right back into the trash. Yeah. Where he belongs. The only time I feel sorry for people who where that like the fight or flight thing kicks in when like you're trying to spook someone is like if you're at a haunted house and you're an employee of the haunted oh. house and you spook someone and they punch you. It's like, dude, you're you you're in a haunted house. You should be expecting this to happen. Like, don't do that. Right. That's literally why you're there. Right. Right. It'd be weird if you were there by some like accident. Uh, if you did not intend to <laughs> be in the hospital. Listen, house. as a scaredy cat who loves being scared, uh, frequently I have been dragged to places that are too scary for my yeah. own good. Mm. And then I feel overconfident and I'm like, no, no, I totally got this. I'm not at all afraid. <laughs> and then I scream in someone's face like a child because I've really been startled. <laughs> I, and, and I've definitely seen people who are like, like, I had a friend, Hannah, growing up who was scared of just anything. We would watch terrible horror movies. And she would scream, like shrill screaming, like someone was stabbing her at nothing. At like the fake jump everyone can call, she's screaming. I would love to take her to haunted places because it's fun <laughs> to watch people who are afraid be afraid, you know? Maybe maybe give her a pair of like those big inflatable sockum boppers on her hands so that she can punch as many people as she likes, but just it won't hurt anyone. I love that. And that would idea. be fun. Wouldn't that be fun? Like you go to like a ghoul house, like a, a haunted house, and you get like a pair of sockum boppers. Sorry, yes. sockum boppers. It adds this really fun element of like a, a person dressed as a ghoul jumping out at you, and you're just like, ah, boop. Somebody <laughs> steal Katie's idea and Please remake the 90s Sock and Boppers commercial, but with the outtakes <laughs> from the horror Sock and Boppers, but it's like a ghoul and a scared person. I love it. I'm really here for this. So, our first animal prankster really perfected these sneaking up on its victims and startling them. In this case, it is to kill them, to be honest. So I don't, it's like <laughs> a prank. Oh, oh no. I'm not it, sure that constitutes as a prank. That's what I was going to say. Is it a prank? I mean, but it, it has all of the elements of a prank, like okay. the sneakery and sort of the subterfuge. It's just, it does actually end in a murder. You <clears throat> right, know? this is... <laughs> This is like slashing someone's tires and being like, I pranked you. <laughs> it's like, no, you you just vandalized That's my vandalism, car. sir. Just smacking someone with a baseball bat. Pranked you. Yeah. Oh, Lord, no. <laughs> well, one of the smartest, most wisecracking spiders in the world is named Portia. Aww. Doesn't she so lovely? <laughs> yeah. Also, you, put, you immediately put the image of a, a spider laughing. 
with like wisecracking. Like I, <laughs> there's it. I assume there's no spiders in nature that chuckle or. I laugh. think this one probably does. To be honest okay. with you, and it's sort of spider way. Maybe a w- sort of a wiggle of the chelicerae, probably. Mm. But yeah, sure. it, this is a genus of jumping spiders that are some of the most clever and sneaky spider hunters in the world and they have to be so clever because they actually feed on other spiders and they have to really dupe them into becoming prey and they will hunt spiders many times their size we're going to talk about one of these in particular called the fringed jumping spider or Portia fimbriata which is a lovely lovely gal she's got these long gams with these it's she almost looks like she's on stilettos because the rest of her body is fluffy kind of the the you know the little fuzzy jumping spider but then she's got these long stilts on the end of her her legs that allow her to move sort of in this more like careful motion but it is she looks she definitely looks like she's rocking eight pairs of platform shoes what we're trying to say is she's a model yeah she looks like she's compensating for her height (laughs) like it yeah the the it looks like little twigs is what i like about it so it looks like a spider that's like oh i'm too short and like broke off some twigs and was like oh i'm tall now (laughs) i love it right and they're pretty small i would say they're about like can they fit in your ear Yes, oh, no, could. why? Sure, of course. Okay, ah! so they're ear size, they're the classic ear ah! size. They could get right in that ear. They're about okay, um good. they're about five millimeters long. So in relation to the ear, how how big is that? <laughs> is it a snug fit? Can they fit several <laughs> in your ear? They're about six millimeters long, which is about point three inches. So you know, they're about like the size of a fingernail, so definitely can fit in your ear. Just get snug fit. A snug a snuggle. Sort of like earbuds, except they're mm-hmm. your buddies and they're little mm-hmm. spiders. I would That'd like to go fun. on record as saying I don't like this way of describing the size <laughs> of spiders. They're deeply disturbing. They get right in that ear and then they giggle <laughs> in your ear. Like instead of having earbuds, having a spider friend that's just in your ear going like, spiders rule, spiders rule. Spider. <laughs> this might be prejudice, but I don't think I could be friends with a spider. <laughs> I don't Aww. think that we would be good buddies. I feel like uh, we're too different. They're creepy and crawly. They got lots of eyes and they terrify me. Even if she's a stunningly intelligent and brave spider. I will honor that queen. spider by acknowledging her greatness very, very far away. What about like the Charlotte's Web spider? No, even Charlotte is horrifying and probably would be killed immediately in my house. <laughs> a spelling spider? Now it's intelligent. Can it hold a grudge like Raven's? It's out. We're done. We're cross the line. That's fair. Well, unfortunately, Joelle, you may not be a big fan of this Porsche spider because they are extremely spookily intelligent. Oh, so, no. <laughs> so there are a few ways that these Porsche trick other spiders into becoming their prey. One is to hop onto the web of another spider and then carefully pluck the strand like they're playing a harp to entice the spider out because the spiders rely on this sense of vibration to know that their their web, which acts as a net to catch prey, has worked. So they feel the web vibrating. They're like, oh, great. There's I, I caught a tasty fly or something. They go down. No, it's Portia and she's going to eat you. Uh, <laughs> it's literally a siren song. Get mm-hmm. out. No. It reminds me of the uh, Treehouse of Horror where Bart 
the they do the the fly spoof and Bart gets caught in the web mm-hmm. uh, and does the help me and then when help the spider me. shows up it flea flies away and goes sucker and like flies <laughs> away and the spider lifts its little spider uh, <laughs> legs like oh dear, yeah you kids yeah it's actually just like that except that Bart would murder the, right. the spider and then eat, the spider. and then suck out its juices oh, yeah. Sure. So the Porsche Spider, one of the really cool things about it is it, it is able to improvise. It is an improv master, which, you know, is just one other reason, I guess, to be afraid of spiders. <laughs> Always trying their own, like, hey, you want to come to my improv show? Ooh. It's <laughs> Wednesday at 11 p.m. Uh, I don't think so, buddy. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Could you just bite me instead, please? (laughs) But they will, like, say the spider shows up as it's strumming the web, and then it's huge. And the Porsche spider is like, oh, the spider could actually, like, kill me. It starts to do this very gentle, mesmerizing stroke of the web, almost playing this song for it that lulls it into this false sense of security and then the Porsche spiders, it's really good at moving in these like very slow, jerky motions, kind of like a chameleon. And so it just like strums the web really soothingly, takes one step. The big spider's like, huh, I, I don't know what this is. This is interesting. It's like my food is playing me a song and it seems fine. I, I think I'm okay. And then it's just strumming and getting closer and closer. And then it bites it and that's game over Ow! because it has extremely potent venom that especially affects other spiders. So it's actually not that potent against like insects, but with spiders, it has this incredible effect. What what an amazing jerk. I know. Uh, it's great. Like, I, I love that it has, it sees a bigger spider and it has a, uh, a situation for that. It's yeah. like, I'll just do a confusing dance. Uh, yeah. And while it's sitting there, like wondering what the heck I am, and I'll, I'll bite it real quick. This is a great D&D character. Yeah. That's yeah. like a fighting tech. Totally. Yeah. Researchers think it may have the most diverse repertoire of hunting techniques of all animals except for humans and higher primates, which wow. is quite impressive for an animal that has a brain the size of a head of a pen and only about 60,000 neurons. For mm-hmm. a comparison, humans have around 80 billion neurons, so... Yeah, teeny tiny brains, and despite the simplicity, it, it is capable of very complex and improvisational behaviors. Here are a few more hunting techniques that it does. Do you guys remember the weeping angels in Doctor Who? Yes. Who no. could forget? They're horrifying. It's this thing in Doctor Who where there are these angel statues that couldn't move if you were looking at them, but when you turned away... They could like move towards you. So like you would look ah. at them, blink, and then it would be like five like feet the, closer to you and looking more menacing. Like the the hedge animals in the novel version of The Shining yeah. has that as well. There's no there's no hedge maze. It's animals. Yeah. Yeah. And like just the idea, the idea of something stalking you and you turn around and then it's like a little closer. You turn so around a cat. And it's a look like a cat. You're describing a cat. Yeah. Right. That's what these spiders do. They will freeze in place when its prey sees it, and then the the prey, which is probably another spider, is like going like, "Huh, okay, I guess it's fine." It turns around and then it stalks closer and closer, and he's like, "Wait a minute!" <laughs> and then Porsche's like, "Whoop!" Freeze in place until it gets close enough to bite. Right, or in the case of humans, nuzzles in their ear. No, right? <laughs> just gets closer and closer. These are like cute 
cute little kitty spiders, though. Yeah, yeah. I feel like if I was PETA, I would name these spiders Octo Kittens because <laughs> they have mm. so many legs. <laughs> Octo Kittens. <laughs> little tiny Octo Bitey Kittens. Aww. Cute. So another thing they do is they pretend to be a male spider from another species of jumping spider. This other species of jumping spider, the males will construct a nest for the females out of leaves. And so if the female sees like a spider rustling leaves, it's like lured out because it's like, oh, this is a male showing off his construction skills. Like maybe we should mate. But no, it's Portia. <laughs> She's tricked you. And then she eats you. That's a classic Bugs Bunny move. Yeah. It's like an inverse Bugs Bunny because she's like, yeah. oh, here I am going to do some construction work for you, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Just here to clean your pipes, ma'am. And then you come out and it's like, what? And it's like, can I eat you? <laughs> yeah. I wonder if the Black Widow feels like Portia is really stealing her thunder here. Uh, yeah. You know, I feel like all of the scary uh, wife seductress tactics uh yeah Porsche's got him nailed I love this inversion of the trope though because she's seducing other females it's like it, it's dare I say it feminist <laughs> I don't know. oh yeah but, totally but I would love I would love that like oh man Marvel writers people comic book people if you're listening do like if you want to do like a um a villainous mm, mm, to mm. pair with Black Widow color Portia and have her do all of these things I think that would sure. kick ass, you know? Well, it reminds me of another Scarlett Johansson character in uh, Under the Skin, which is... I don't is, think I saw that. I don't know if you would enjoy it. It's about an alien, maybe mm. automaton, maybe... Um, I'm sold. ...species just luring men uh, into being, like, slowly digested. Oh, I love uh, that. Are you kidding? It's Scar- that yeah, amazing. It's, it's Scarlett Johansson, like, cruising around in a van talking to guys and i i won't go on a tangent but they a lot of it was shot like improv on the street with real guys that she would pull over and talk what? to uh yeah it's a very fascinating film this is fantastic it's, i love this yeah you should watch it everybody should watch it all you yeah. animal fans go watch uh, <laughs> under the skin yeah, yeah that's that's amazing i mean like it really is though like this porsche spider would be a perfect horror villainess like Mm -hmm. another thing that this spider does is they have this very jerky gait it's meant to mimic the appearance of light coming through the forest canopy you know how like when light comes through leaves and like the trees kind of blow in the wind the spider moves in that way to make it literally look like light coming through the the canopy but it's it's the spider yeah it's it's totally amazing how adept they are at being the perfect spies And researchers wanted to see how intelligent these Portia spiders were. So they tested P. fimbriata, the ones that we've been talking about, that specific species. And they made little tiny spider deserted (laughs) islands. So they stranded Portia on this little (laughs) island in the middle of like this moat of water. And so to escape, the spider had to either jump and swim or just swim. Like it was too far for it to just jump out of the island also it, they gave it like a little teeny tiny volleyball and the spiders were like right. was there was Where's there like a spider uh polar bear and like a really convoluted spider plot that no one understood that's a lost reference yeah i gave up on lost like after the first episode <laughs> good on you good on you Saved yourself many years mm-hmm 
to these little on their little, little deserted spider islands with like a tiny I imagine like a little p- tiny palm tree that the researchers put in just to make it convincing for the spider. I hope so. They uh trained the spiders to use a specific technique of escape. So basically the spider can either swim the whole way or like take a flying leap and then swim. So researchers would try to encourage them to use one technique over the other by like wiggling the water so it creates a little wave pool. So basically like say they want the spider to to swim the whole way. Anytime the spider jumps, they would create waves in the water. So the spider's like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> and has to go back to the island. And they were actually able to successfully train these spiders to use the escape technique that they wanted to assign to them. So it shows that they adapt their techniques based on their environment, based on learning wow. like what works and what doesn't, which is extremely impressive for such an itty-bitty spider. It also proves, like a lot of these studies, that scientists seem very bored. <laughs> they Scientists kind of are jerks, aren't they? I'm sorry. Well, I'm, I, don't, I love scientists and I love science. This podcast would not exist without the work of evolutionary biologists and behavioral researchers. But you got to admit... It's a little rude, you know? Yeah. It's and like if you told rude. if you told the spiders like, so we learned this, they'd be like, great. Why do you need to know that? What was the point of that? We were very stressed out yeah, on these little islands. Yeah, we could have told you, you we rule already. We could have told yeah. you we're smart. Was that really necessary? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, if the spiders are actually talking, this study really is not necessary because we have genius spiders Right. There's like spelling out like Charlotte's web, spelling out these webs like you bastard. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe the scientists were getting revenge on the spiders because they were spelling yeah. out webs that were like nerd. <laughs> four eyes. Just bullying scientists. <laughs> oh, this is a funny thing I read in one of the studies on this. Um, these Porsche spiders is this. I was reading this line. I was like, wait, what? Uh, so here it is. They say these spiders should be able to focus accurately on an object at distances from approximately two centimeters to infinity. What? What? <laughs> that was and my reaction. Yeah, I was like, wait, wh- ha- what do you mean? These spiders can see for infinity? And this led me on a deep hole of trying to understand how lenses work and and uh, <laughs> vision and and basically the the physics of of sight and light travel, which is kind of outside of my wheelhouse, so I might get this a little wrong. But apparently, infinity focus is a thing that is really common, which is like, it's not that the spiders can see for infinity, although we don't know they can't, um, but yeah. that their eye lenses can achieve infinity focus like a camera or a telescope Basically, if, if the lens is at the right angle compared to the light source and the light source is able to reach you, you can see it. Oh. And so apparently this is the case for a lot of animal eyes, including humans. Like healthy human eyes have a focus from 25 centimeters to infinity. But like I, as I was reading this, like for a split second, I was like, these spiders can see for infinity. <laughs> right. They can see through time. <laughs> what? <laughs> Just this like spider like staring up at the stars and like violin music playing. <laughs> Just space and zooming and Werner Herzog voicing like, 
these spiders can see into our souls and to the very beginnings of the universe. Anyways. Oh, you know, guys, if you scroll down, there's a cool spider on the next page there. I just want you to take a look, see at that that cool spider going Ooh, on there. What am I what am I seeing here? I see something eating a bird. I am speechless. <laughs> I have what no am... words. You what? Katie. What is this? Why are you trying to feel my nightmares? What's going on here? Does this... All right. So will this fit into an ear? <laughs> this day will not fit into an ear. All right. Oh, no. I will say that much. But I want you guys to try to... Because, like, I know what this is, but I want you to try to explain what you're seeing okay. from someone who doesn't know, like, what is going on. Here's my guess, is that... My guess is that the first... Uh, GIF that you have here is yeah, um, but yes, go on. Wh- whatever, <laughs> whatever, whatever. Uh, is uh, is a spider of some sort crawling on a snake, and a bird trying to eat the spider, and the snake eating the bird. Mm-hmm. So my guess is that. Oh wait, no, no, I know what I'm seeing. I'm seeing it's it's entirely a snake. <laughs> and it's got a dumb tail designed to attract <laughs> birds to try to eat it. Uh, and then uh, it eats the birds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It looks like a rock. It looks like a bug crawling on a rock. The bird swoops down and it gobbles the bird. But yep. here's the thing. The caption says, here's a cool spider. I lied right. to you. Okay. You're a liar. All <laughs> right. I was like, the hell? The snake with a weird that's spider what, tail. That's what. Uh, that's what. Pen and Gillette. Wait, what are they? Yeah, Pen and Teller. Pen and Teller. Pen and Pen and Gillette. That's what. <laughs> well, his name and, is Pen Gillette. Right. That's what yeah. Pen and Teller call a misdirection. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, your description was perfect, sir. It's, yes. It's you know weird. The tail is kind of spiny. At first, I thought, oh, like maybe it's a millipede working in tandem with the snake is this a dual mm-hmm. prank but then i see in the second one that it's no just a very effed up tail what the hell <laughs> yeah so this is an iranian spider-tailed viper that hunts birds by pretending its tail is a spider and Gosh. its tail is shaped like a spy like it looks like one of those little rubber spiders you get around halloween time right like and it's just wiggling it around like its tail has a bulb on the end that looks like a spider's abdomen, and then all these legs coming out of it, these fake leg spines coming out of it, so it looks like just a whole spider with legs attached to its tail, and then it wiggles it around like a lure for birds. So it does like sky fishing for birds, and then the birds come down, and the viper is disguised as a rock because it lives in these mountain ranges in Iran, and then it's like the, the bird is none the wiser and it goes for a juicy spider, but it gets it gets eaten. Yeah, it's it's so mean to eat something that's hungry. <laughs> like that feels it's like if like a cotton candy machine ate us, mm-hmm. you know, like your last thought is excitement for something right. you get to eat and then you just get eaten. I mean, but if you don't know what hits you, right? Like, yeah, is it the worst. Well, you know, I think this bird knew what hit it. That's that's <laughs> from, probably actually true. <laughs> from what you're showing me here. Uh, it looks like 
I mean, it's a whole bird. And we're not talking about like an anaconda here. It's it's like the bird could maybe win this fight uh, in the right conditions, mm-hmm. but does not. No, so, I don't think this bird is going to win this particular fight, I would say. No, unfortunately. no, no, no. That's a, that's a dead I, bird. I say this with much pain in my heart as, as someone who loves birds. But yes, mm-hmm. I mean, I got to hand it to the snake, though. This is a... Uh, it's not just that its tail looks like a spider, but the puppeteering of it is really professional. It's is Jim, Jim Henson, Henson levels. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we did it. Like a Jim Henson style puppet shaped like a burger, like like a McDonald's style burger, mayor of Cheeseville, whatever his name is. And he's like, hey, it's kids, come over here. And then and it's like this happy Muppet burger and all you, you like skip after it. And then it's just attached to this giant demon that eats I, you. Right. I'm imagining the Swedish chef getting this in as like an ingredient. <laughs> well, like, today we're going to use, for sure, for, I love Swedish chef, but I can't do his voice. I'm terrible at it. But he's just like waving Bjorn, around the Bjorn, tail Bjorn. trying to catch a bird. Beautiful. Bjorn, board, board. <laughs> Remember the first SpongeBob SquarePants movie where it's like basically um, Hillenburg, the guy who made SpongeBob, used to be a marine biologist. So a lot of the jokes in SpongeBob show an understanding of marine biology. And one of them was like basically a spoof on the deep sea anglerfish where it was this giant monster who's lure was shaped like a little old lady offering them ice cream <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, a classic and the joke there is like the specificity of being able to evolve basically to look like a little old lady offering ice cream but this is essentially that like it's it gets that yeah. complicated it's amazing yeah it's it, i mean it really looks like the the second picture it looks like a damn spider is, yeah. is, is like clung onto its tail. Yeah. It's one horrifying thing revealed to be another horrifying <laughs> thing. This is definitely a damn nature, you crazy moment. I'm trying to like think about the evolutionary like path of how he gets his tail. It's how I would evolve because this snake <laughs> learned, you know what? I want to just not move and <laughs> let the food come to me. I want to move as little as possible. I just want to. I want to bait something, uh, and then gobble it up immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it got what it wanted. Yeah. Is there a Pixar film in a lonely spider befriending another spider mm-hmm. that turns out to be the snake's tail, and the snake feels Whoa. like it doesn't want to tell the spider because then the spider will be betrayed. Well, I like this. It's sort of a Cyrano de Bergerac kind of story Ooh. where uh-huh. like the snake. Think like the the spider falls in love with the snake's tail, and the snake falls in love with the spider, but it's afraid that if it reveals that this is just a a, a form of aggressive mimicry, that then the spider won't love spider it anymore. Won't, yeah. But then it turns out at the end, the spider really did love the snake the whole time, and it doesn't matter that they're two mm. entirely different species. Mm. Yeah. It's like a a less tragic ending to the the squirrel saga and the sword in the stone. Yeah, right. turns God, into the that squirrel. broke my heart. The little squirrel. Yeah, like in Merlin, Merlin yeah. turns a child version of King Arthur into a squirrel, and a little squirrel falls in love with him, and then he turns back into the human, and she cries. Yeah, he has to break up with a squirrel. Imagining having to do that. What I wanted to happen is for Merlin to turn the squirrel into a human, 
Right. And, but with the squirrel brain. So the yeah. squirrel is just like. <laughs> just He's such a pure up. romantic, Katie. <laughs> That's just the just most like, like, no, they belong together. Right, right. But then the squirrel <laughs> just has like a squirrel brain and, and and she's just like chewing on nuts all the time. And Aww. he's like, it's like, and this is Queen Genevieve. She's like, <laughs> <laughs> why not? I mean, why not? When we return, we're actually going to talk a little bit more about squirrel hijinks, speaking of which. So we will be right back. Sounds very promising. A classic prank is putting out a fake spider to startle someone, which is a dumb prank. But what else can you expect from a prank that involves spreading anti-spider propaganda? Arachnophobia, the fear of spiders, is a very common phobia, and treating phobias involves exposure therapy, where you're introduced to your fear incrementally. But treating arachnophobia can be tricky. After all, it's hard to train a spider to sit still while someone gets used to its presence. But some researchers are looking into how virtual reality may help people with arachnophobia by having them explore digital worlds with digital spiders. Personally, the concept of a spider with AI scares me more than a regular fluffy real-world spider, but hey, maybe someday I'll welcome our virtual spider overlords. When we return, we're going to talk about the pranks that squirrels pulled that are driving me nuts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV 
all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. So we were just talking about that horrible, traumatizing scene in the Sword in the Stone Disney yeah. film where the squirrel falls in love with the transformed uh, King Arthur who's like, or I guess he's not a king yet, he's just a little brat who gets turned into a squirrel, they fall in love, and then Merlin's like, no, we gotta turn back into humans, like, screw these squirrels, and it's horrible and the squirrels are sad. Right, because... Back in the day, uh, kids' movies wanted to traumatize us on many. Right, levels. right. Like you got a, you got any parents you love? Oh, don't worry, we'll kill them. Oh yeah, those, oh, those parents are going down. Mickey Mouse just with like a, a bloody baseball bat, going like, mm-hmm. "Nice parents you got there would be oh, a shame if anything happened to them." <laughs> oh man. But yes, yeah, squirrels lead a very complex life, even without the hijinks of an insane wizard. So. Squirrels like to hide nuts, such as the eastern gray squirrel, but there are a lot of nut-hiding species of squirrels, and they need these nut stashes to survive the winter, so it's very important for them. A problem, though, is that other squirrels, when they see one squirrel hiding a nut, it's like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to take that nut, though. <laughs> There's no squirrel law. There's right. No There's no laws. squirrel code. <laughs> There's, no, There's no squirrel code of honor. Mm-hmm. It's just like it's a it's a squirrel nut nutty squirrel eating nut nut world. You got it. It's a nutty <laughs> nutty nutty world. <laughs> so squirrels are will bury these nut caches, um, and in order to stop other squirrels from stealing their nuts, they will kind of have this arms race of deception. So squirrels will scurry over to a location dig a hole, shove something inside the hole, bury it, cover it with leaves, and then if you're that squirrel stalker and you dig this up, you're going to find a whole bunch of nothing because you just got squirrel pranked. Ooh. <laughs> is, it, is it at least like... Like a little, a little squirrel message. Like yeah. A little. Yeah, it's like, a little note. They. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a little note and says, "I owe you one nut, sucker." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so they will sometimes do this multiple times just to throw these other squirrels off their tails. Basically, like, oh, you think I'm putting my nut in here? You, you think it's going in here? No, no, it's not. And then they scurry off to another location. So they they really try to trick each other into. Uh, digging up the wrong nut. Um. So the squirrel world, it sounds like every squirrel is living out their own version of uh, the film No Country for Old Men, mm. where like he has the suitcase full of cash and he's right. trying to he's trying to keep it away. Like every everything is just uh, uh, the more I learn about squirrels, the more it seems like all they think about is nuts. <laughs> and everything everything they do in life revolves yeah. around the importance of nuts. It does, yes. Actually, in college, I for one of my classes, I had to go and observe squirrels eat nuts. <laughs> 
which <laughs> may, as you can imagine, as a freshman in college, like trying to make new friends, it was really good for sort of my social profile. Like, oh right. yeah, there, there's someone sitting next to squirrels muttering like, go on, get the nut, get the nut, pick it up. Go on, pick it up, you little bastard. Pick it up. I don't know if you had to mutter. Yeah, but I, I think the mutter was the muttering was optional. I, Dave, you know nothing about observational studies. Anyways, <laughs> the point of this like class exercise, I think, was to see like we basically planted these nuts that had little. Some of them had little holes in them. Some of them had um, no holes, and it was basically to see like. When a squirrel suspects there's a worm inside of a acorn, like a larva eating the inside, sometimes they'll choose to immediately eat the nut because if they bury it and there's a larva growing inside, the larva's gonna like eat the nut and then hatch into a moth and then the squirrel gets nothing. But if the squirrel eats it right then, gets the nut and also a little extra protein in the form yeah, of the a little larva. treat, right? Exactly. It's so like a Boston cream donut. Right. And or nougat filled candy bar. Yeah. <laughs> and in another study much like that one where other students were also sent out to sabotage their own social life by staring at squirrels all day, they would try to dig up like uh, nuts that squirrels had buried to like study like these seeds and stuff to see like what kind of seeds they were burying. But they had a lot of trouble actually finding these things, even after seeing a squirrel dig up a little cache and then like bury stuff. And they're like, well, there's nothing in here. And it's the squirrels were tricking the students because the squirrels were paranoid that the students were going to dig up their seeds. And I guess yeah. it's not really paranoia if it's true, because it's right. It wasn't. An <laughs> it was legitimately an anti-squirrel conspiracy. Yeah. So the squirrels were right. The squirrels are watching. Like I don't. I don't think humans don't normally watch us this closely. I think those humans are up to something. Right. Right. And they weren't wrong. They were not wrong. And so they they tricked the students, and then so the. The uh, researchers of this study were like, huh, that's hmm, interesting. They're on to us. Yeah. We got to move to a new town, fellas. They're on to us. <laughs> the squirrels are on to us. And then they did another study where they actually just like intentionally made squirrels paranoid and found that when researchers <laughs> would dig up the squirrel's nuts in sight of the squirrel, the squirrel would panic, run over to another nut it had buried, dig it up, and go bury it somewhere else. Like, right. Oh, <laughs> this is so much extra stress on these poor squirrels. They're, they're just trying to make sure they have enough food to survive. Okay? Yeah. I think the lesson of this episode is that the real pranksters, the real jerks, <laughs> were us, the scientists, the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> I love that there was a study that boiled down to we're gonna bother squirrels. Yeah, we're gonna make them paranoid. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's annoy squirrels. And I love that squirrels are like little addicts. Yeah. Like they're just like, gotta get the nuts. Gotta go. Oh God. Oh God. They're after my nuts. I gotta <laughs> dig up the nuts. Oh my goodness. Their whole world is nuts. Their Can whole you imagine this devastation? The de like, like you take a nut away from a squirrel, you, you steal its nut. Like that's its whole world. It's its reason to live. The most like accurate portrayal of an animal in an animated film was really a uh, scritch from Ice Age. Oh, yeah, Remember just Scritch, wants that nut. The, the prehistoric squirrel-like animal that just all it wanted was that nut, and it spent all four or five movies or whatever, like, continually trying to get the nut. In one movie, like, it, I think it, like, almost died and went to heaven, but then it was resurrected and was so sad <laughs> because heaven was full of nuts, so it was willing to die if it could be with, with nuts. Oh, 
Yeah, but that is accurate. Had a moment of sweet release into the <laughs> nut into the nut realm, and, and, and then was ripped from it into nut Valhalla. Yeah. <laughs> now I want to talk about another sort of prank situation in order to get food, and this one is much more devious than these poor little squirrels just trying to protect their nuts. Mm. So. Joelle, I have a bird for you to... Oh, boy. And you're allowed to dislike this one because this is a devious, oh, devious little guy. This is called Africa's Fork-Tailed Drongo, and it is a black shimmering bird with red eyes and a forked tail like the devil itself. It's yeah. literally the devil. <laughs> it, it's it, literally <laughs> the devil, guy. It looks mean as hell. It's got that strong, like anime evil brow mm -hmm. right above its red bloody red eye it's small but you can tell that that doesn't condense the amount of hate it has for the world yeah. it, it looks like it's possessed yeah it uh, looks like it looks this like... is the earthly form that satan has chosen yeah it <laughs> reminds me of the omen or the witch when whenever mm -hmm. satan shows up in the form of an animal in a movie mm -hmm. that's what this animal looks like it looks it's like a... james bond's best dressed villain yeah it looks like a real jerk and it is. So <laughs> the, the uh, fork-tailed Drongo uh, will do these alarm calls that warns everybody in the region that a predator is coming. So they are found in desert regions in South Africa. And birds in general will often issue alarm calls to warn other birds. Uh, and it's like a, it's a way to sort of like protect each other. Um, and other species of animals like meerkats will also issue alarm calls to warn everyone that something's coming. It's this this evolutionary trait that a lot of animals that find themselves as prey will use in order to protect each other from predators. It's citizenship. It's it's camaraderie. It's yeah. like having each other's back. I respect it. Now, the drongo does this rongo. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you had to. I had to I had to do it. Uh, you you hate no to see it, but I had to do it. So um, they will uh, sometimes they do actually warn, uh, do legitimate alarm calls. So something's coming like a predator or a hawk or something, and, and they'll issue this alarm call and it, it's legit. But once they've gained your trust, that's when they start crying wolf. So if a drongo sees a meerkat like with a tasty little meal it can issue a false alarm call so the meerkat will panic and run away and then the oh. drongo swoops in and gets a free meal. It's like uh, impersonating an officer and breaking up like a high school party for free <laughs> beer. It's <laughs> exactly what it's like. That's exactly what that is. Yeah. Uh, it's also Something I've never done. <laughs> for the no, of course not. How else would, like, why would you have such a specific example like mm -hmm. that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it makes total sense. Yeah, so it's like, and it also, in order to keep animals from catching on to the grift, they have developed more sophisticated strategies. So like, they will learn the alarm calls of other species of animals and switch it up so that these these poor little meerkats and other animals don't catch on. If the drongo would only do its own alarm call, eventually they'd stop listening to it. But if it imitates your alarm call and another animal's alarm call, then it's it's hard to tell when they're crying wolf. So that way it keeps it fresh, keeps it mixed up, it's always changing the grip. That's the key. This yeah. Is, this is what uh, Steve Bannon 
didn't realize when he did his whole <laughs> yeah, his you, whole grift, switch it up. you always got to be switching up the grift right like mm-hmm. you can't just like stick to one grift because people catch on you know they say it right in oceans 12 <laughs> why wasn't he paying attention <laughs> It's like catch me if you can, you know. You got you got a your doctor one day, next day your boat captain. I don't remember that movie, but you know. It was yeah, no. Boat captain. Boat right? captain, right. <laughs> exactly. Um also uh, another bird species who's kind of a jerk, uh blue jays, uh just straight up pretend to be hawks. So they will make a hawk call and it makes innocent birds scatter and then they very smugly stroll up to whatever seeds and stuff the other birds have left behind to eat them at a leisurely pace. So what you're saying devious, devious birds. If you ever see a blue jay get eaten by a hawk, it's it's just justice, right? I guess so. Yeah. Good way to think about it. <laughs> I do I feel like the evolution of these birds is they started by going like, hey, watch out. Mm-hmm. Like they were just snitches. I'm sure the predators never appreciated it where they're like, come on, bird, I'm trying to eat too. Yeah, and then they learned after a while, and they're like, "Hey, watch out! Everybody, watch out!" People would scatter, and they're like, "Oh, I don't, there doesn't even need to be a predator here." Like it's like I warn you, I get a prize, and then uh, and then it was like, "Oh, I can just get the prize whenever." I mean, I think that's exactly how this behavior came about, Dave. And it's it's yeah. interesting because you do see like you can't have too like in the story like of crying wolf you can't have that alarm be too false otherwise they stop listening to you so it's this really interesting kind of interplay of like switching it up also doing real alarms like if they never actually alerted to real danger this whole scheme wouldn't work so it's kind of like right. it's kind of like gambling like a casino casinos are very they're created to prey on human like reward systems, like our brains giving us reward and dopamine for like seeking prizes. Oh yeah. But basically they have to pay you out sometimes, otherwise you don't want to keep playing. So it's the same thing with these birds. These birds like have to pay out sometimes, have to actually have a correct signal, otherwise they would get ignored. Right. It's uh it's the casino on average is making more money than it's giving out. Right. I assume this bird is well, no, this bird doesn't even need to worry about that. It's just when it's hungry. Right, exactly. Whenever it's hungry, it's just like, you know what? I'll do a fake one right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if they're nervous. Like the first time somebody shops lifts and they're like, oh, God, yeah. I don't know if I should. It's definitely not morally okay, but I kind of really need this lip Have gloss. you guys seen seagulls shoplifting? Oh, yeah. It's they're so incredible. They, they like stroll in really casual like, hey, what's up? Hey Jimmy, how's it going? How's it going? Yeah, just looking, just looking at the chips here. Just looking at the chips. Just taking one of these chips. Getting out, getting out, getting out. They, <laughs> they look like they know what they're doing is wrong. They know uh, that they could get caught. Yes, I don't yeah. know if they understand that it is morally wrong. Also, is it morally wrong? I don't know. It depends like, on the store. You know, if they were in, if they were in Les Mis, like we would, these would be heroes, and they would be mm-hmm. played by Wolverine. <laughs> so, what if they start? Uh, Jean Valjean, the seagull, <laughs> stealing a bag yeah. of chips. He had to feed his yeah. family. They haven't eaten in days. Yeah, Jean Valjean, <laughs> like, come on. What if? Though, what if it's like a gateway thing where, like, then they're running bigger grifts? Right. First they're it's like chips, con artists. then it's bugles, mm, then it's mm. Pringles. Then yeah. They don't know where to stop. Then they're stealing, like, vehicles. Just a swarm of seagulls, like, stealing <laughs> people's cars. <laughs> then they somehow Driving. got a tank. 
We don't know how. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then they can't be stopped. <laughs> no, once they get a tank, it's all over for us. Yeah. Seagulls are very intelligent in terms of like being grifters. They're very good at um, stealing things. They also, uh, seagulls, will have alarm calls that they use to warn each other. They also do mobbing behavior. So a group of seagulls will bully other birds or bully other predators in order to get their way. So they're, they really are just Whoa. like mobsters, seagulls. Yeah, I don't, I don't think seagulls are aware that they aren't the dominant species on this planet, right? Like they, right. they must assume they're in charge because they, they, they are. Act like it. I mean, they are yes. though. I, I don't you ever know go what... to a theme park, meet right. a theme park seagull? That is a bad seagull. That is a seagull that's seen it all. It's also kind of incredible because all of our attempts to destroy the world, like all of our trash, the seagulls are like, yeah. Yeah, do it. Do it. I I'll dare eat your you. Trash. Yeah, yeah, throw. Yeah, do food waste, idiots. We'll eat it. Yeah. Like, sure. Yeah. Like, you're destroying the planet, but we're gonna be here. I mean, you're all gonna die, but seagulls, we're doing fine. Yeah. <laughs> Smoldering wasteland, and above it, seagulls. Yeah. 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 That's how it'll end. <laughs> the cry wolf effect is found all throughout animal behavior and human psychology. One area of interest in studying human psychology is alarm fatigue, which describes how after too many false alarms, people will stop paying attention. From weather alerts to medical device alarms and safety alarms, getting too many false positives or too many alert signals in general may train us to be less responsive to alarms. Maybe we could learn from animal models to understand how to calibrate alarms such that we find the correct balance between false positives and false negatives. That is to say, studying animal pranks could potentially help improve human lives. When we return, we're going to take a look at some less consequential pranks and general monkeying around. Yeah, we will in fact be talking about monkeys too. We'll be right back. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old. (laughs) And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, 
and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it would have been Ooh, a, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Why do humans like pranks? At least the good fun pranks, not just bullying labeled as pranks. Maybe it has something to do with learning deception in a way that's playful rather than truly insidious. Or maybe it's just to see what we can get away with while still remaining friendly. But pranking isn't exclusively human, as some of our distant hairy relatives demonstrate. So far we've talked about pranks that seem to be mostly for survival and like for basically getting food, hunting. And now I want to talk about pranks that don't necessarily have to do with survival. It's just animals, you know, be, being silly. Just mm. being, your, being your Saturday morning DJs, you know, like <laughs> beepers and, and, the, and, the, and the cheese. You know, remember beepers and the cheese? Beepers and the cheese. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. The, the, yeah, the yeah. beepers and the cheese. Saturday morning radio. <laughs> oh my God. Classic. Classic beepers and the cheese. Everybody <laughs> loves beepers, beepers and the cheese. And the cheese. <laughs> I love I love the cheese's bit where he like he calls like uh calls the, the pizza place and he's like, Can I get it with extra cheese? Right. And then they say, you got cheese. You just got cheesed. Oh and then the person working at the pizza place is like, wait, did you not want a pizza? Or I don't I don't get the joke. What? Right. Classic. Classic. Classic beeper in the cheese. Yeah. So some of the <laughs> some of the best uh, pranksters are primates. And first, I want to talk about capuchins. Oh, are those the, like the fluffy things, the weird hairy ones? Yeah, they're the ones that are, they're little monkeys. They are really fluffy. They're brown and white with sort of like yeah. these white poofs, poofs on their faces. Cuties. They are very cute and they will play these harmless but kind of annoying pranks on each other. So capuchins in Costa Rica will play a lot of pranks on each other and, and behavioral researchers have been really befuddled by their behavior. So they'll do things like pull each other's hair. They'll put their fingers in each other's noses and then they'll pry open each other's mouths. Just like little sibling peak annoyingness. Mm. And they are trying, they were trying to figure out like why they would do this. And they're like studying this one monkey named Napoleon who would 
like to go around ripping out tufts of other monkeys' fur, and then he'd stuff it in his mouth for no apparent reason. And then the other monkeys would try to pry open his mouth to get their fur back, even though it's like once they get their fur back, there's nothing they can do with it. It's just it's just a principle. It's my it. fur. Right, right. You just took my my butt fur, like give it back. Many groups of capuchins uh, exhibit some of this behavior, but there's a particular group in Costa Rica in Lomas Barbudal that displays them with the highest frequency, the most diverse repertoire of pranks and intensity, which means that these specific groups of capuchins have a prank culture, which is pretty incredible. Here's a quote from Sarah Brosnan, a primatologist who was interviewed by National Geographic, quote, There's almost a visceral reaction when you see one monkey shove their fingers up another monkey's nose. It was remarkable to me that the one who was having it done to them was perfectly happy to just sit there. That suggests that to them, it's important somehow. Otherwise, why would they do it? I love I love it when scientists are confused and don't know what's going on because it's like, there's got to be a reason why these monkeys are shoving their fingers up each nope. other's nose. Otherwise, why would they do it? Anyone who's watched a two-year-old knows there doesn't need to be a reason. Yeah. It's the Simpsons with Stampy where they're like, some animals are just jerks. Um, <laughs> No, like uh, primates are just, they're our id, right? Like they're just, they're us at at the most basic form. So it's a combination of wanting to do like cool goofs and maybe bite faces off. Right. And it's like, that's really all we have in us too. Uh, But we've just found more sophisticated ways to do it. We've, through our many, many thousands of years of evolution, have invented YouTube where we do, where we shove our fingers up people's noses. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've seen a prank channel. Again, I don't really approve at all of prank channels unless they're actual nice pranks that you do with your friends. The old, like, get someone a, a box that says, like, butt um, cream on it. Sure. And they open it up and it's like a Nintendo Switch. That's a fun prank. That is a fun prank. Yeah, because then you're it's like, an expensive oh, prank. butt prank. <laughs> like, butt, butt cream. Like, I, okay, I, I guess great thank you for the butt cream and then you open it up and it's something you actually want what but what if they were like oh my thank god butt cream you had <laughs> i didn't know you knew oh my god oh my god can i t- i was so afraid to tell you guys about this but i have the yeah. worst hemorrhoids and yeah my life has been a living hell and yeah. i'm so grateful that you thought to do that this is life-changing it's like ah it's a switch oh <laughs> Oh, That's, okay. I'm sure I'll have lots of fun. I'm in so much pain. <laughs> but one of the reasons that researchers and primatologists think they might be doing this is they are maybe just like humans. They're testing each other's social boundaries in a relatively safe way. So it's like seeing like, how much do you like me? How much do you trust me? Kind of like siblings, like when, you know, you bother your sibling, I want attention. And I also want to see like how you react. How much are you willing to tolerate? My sister used to every time when I'd stand up, if I was sitting next to her, uh, she'd kick the back of my knees <laughs> as I was standing up. So I'd go right back down. Oh, no. It works. It works very effectively. <laughs> I mean, look, I do it to her too. So it's, you know. Fair. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's still a thing that happens in our household. I used to like eat some candy and then like try to perfectly arrange the candy wrapper so it looks like it's full. 
and then like hand it to my brother and be like, you want some candy? And he was like, oh, sure. And this is empty, isn't it? I was like, you just got pranked. It's like, oh, cool. mean. I know it's mean. I would so give mean. him real candy afterwards, though. See, that's a nice oh, prank. Okay. It's a yeah. nice prank. It was funny because I kept doing it even after my brother, like every time I'd hand him, he's like, it's you're handing me an empty thing of candy. No, I'm not. But then he knows he's going to get real candy. Right, right. So you're conditioning him. (laughs) So another thing that these capuchins do is they will pass useless objects back and forth to each other. A game that seemingly has no purpose other than to test their relationship to see how much the other monkey is willing to like buy into it, which again is just... It's so That's human, just, right? You just described capitalism. Wow. That's just capitalism. <laughs> Boom, roasted, got him. Yeah. I mean, what what are we doing, really? Just like right now, what do we think we're passing doing? Passing useless objects back and forth. That's Man. all that's all it is. My head is spinning. Yeah. I think you I think you just I think you just roasted all of humanity, Dave. I did. I just solved I solved everything. <laughs> Oh, we're we're all just pr- like right now us doing this podcast. Like it's it's if aliens watched us and they'd be like they're doing it for like no reason. Right. They're like flapping their why. they're flapping their mouth folds in- into this useless object for no reason. And then other yeah. people put these orbs inside their ears and listen to the flapping of their mouth folds for no reason. No, for absolutely no, no reason. reason. Yeah. <laughs> uh so one more primate trickster is the chimpanzee who, you know, they're quite intelligent and they're kind of jerks. So mm. observational research has shown that chimpanzees will hide projectiles and wait until the time is right to throw these projectiles at zoo visitors. Now, when you <laughs> say projectiles, do you mean poop? It's not always poop. It's ninety right, percent poop... of the time poop, though, right? No, no, no. Hide... Sometimes it's chunk. Sometimes it's chunks of concrete. Oh no, nice. that's not it. That's like when you put rocks in a snowball. Not a prank. <laughs> not funny. I am a hundred percent on their side though with this because they're yeah. in a they're in jail. Yeah, they're they're in... in they're in. So like, if I was in they're a in like... animal jail. Yeah, if I was in a, a, like a jail that also like visitors would get to right. watch me. I'd be like, I'm I'm pelting as many things as I can okay. at these people. Yeah, I'm convinced. It's kind of yeah. hard to blame them, right? I mean, right. And so, but it's also interesting because they show an immense amount of planning and foresight, which I love that we learn so much about primate intelligence just based on their pranks. Like they are putting <laughs> so much thought into these pranks. So they'll hide caches of things to throw at zoo visitors so they'll like get hay and create a pile of hay and then hide like rocks and fruit or something underneath it and put it in a position where they easily grab something out of it and quickly throw at visitors and this is a dominance behavior like throwing stuff at 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 people but there is this individual chimpanzee uh named santino of in Sweden and he seems his whole goal isn't just a dominance display it seems like he really wants to bean these visitors oh. like he wants to hit him because like it's a game because he'll like sit there pretend like he's not doing anything like he'll have an apple he kind of casually takes a bite out of it and as a visitor approaches 
he'll like quickly throw it at them to hit them because he's <laughs> learned that like they back up. Like if he holds something in his hand and he looks like he's about to throw it, they actually back up. And he's like, huh, interesting. And so now he like hides the objects right before he's about to throw it or pretends like he's not up to anything and then suddenly throws it and smacks them. This is bops them it's good. A, this has like serious uncle energy too mm-hmm. of like mm-hmm. snowballs or something where it's like you learn after a while that the child, if they see it coming, they'll right. avoid you. So you have to like surprise throw it at them. Yeah. I get it. But it's not just mammals and primates that are capable of these shenanigans. Octopuses are an incredibly intelligent animal that is capable of pranking in this really delightful way. So they can squirt jets of water out of their tank at people or anything they want to squirt. So... um. <laughs> They will squirt the water at, like, marine biologists, uh, handlers at aquariums, anyone that walks by, grad students. They just, it's like, if anyone's coming by and they want to prank them or they are annoyed by you, they will squirt you. And they've actually had to put, like, barriers up to keep octopuses from squirting people in aquariums because they do Mm. it with such a frequency. And they even have learned, in some cases, to use jets of water to cause power shortages so that they don't have these lights on. So octopuses don't necessarily like bright lights. So in this uh, one New Zealand lab, this octopus would so routinely squirt water at light bulbs and short them, and they had to get so many replacement light fixtures that it was so expensive to keep this octopus, they had to release it back into the wild. Wow. That's, that octopus won. He won. Yeah. yeah. He's like, you can't keep me chained down. Yeah. I have to be Yeah. Free. I mean, it's like it's like in Finding Dory, the octopus escaping, except even, it, I feel like this is even more clever than the plot in Finding Dory. It's just, right. just I'm going to destroy your lab until you release me. It's also a show for them where they learn, like, check this out. Every time I squirt this light bulb, a whole thing happens. Yeah. Like uh, someone comes out, they look disappointed and frustrated. Right. They have to call somebody who shows up with a ladder or like with a with a new light bulb. And it's like a whole show. Yeah. And it's they're just like rubbing their tentacles together. Just going like, yeah, and lights, camera or wait, sorry, no lights, camera action. Mm. <laughs> Octopuses are the most suspicious creatures mm-hmm. on this planet. They look like they're up to something. I mean, they, they don't are. really know what they're doing down there. Well, and we learned a few weeks ago that they just die after giving birth, sometimes committing suicide. It's crazy. No, I, I agree though. They're... Before, yeah. like, if they because they have such short lifespans and they are similparous, so they die shortly after reproduction. They gotta, they gotta live while they can. They gotta YOLO it up. You only yeah. octopus once, right? They got to short some aquarium lights. Yeah. They got yeah. Good on them. Another thing they do is they like to sneak out of their tanks and steal fish from other tanks and aquariums and this can be a big problem <laughs> like fish just go missing and it's now how this fish go missing and they look over to the octopus tank and it just burps and like a fish skeleton yeah. rises to the surface. Shrugs. Cuz like they'll they'll go well, like they'll sneak out and then return to their tank. They're so sneaky. It's it's really incredible. Especially considering that octopuses have evolved, like their brains have evolved entirely separately 
from like our sort of like evolutionary branch essentially so the basically like it's inevitable pranks are inevitable like once you yeah. have intelligent life this is the one piece of evidence that maybe convinces me that some of these ufo alien encounters are real because there could be an alien race that just like pranks the crap out of us <laughs> i convinced this person that i probed them yeah maybe yeah man maybe aliens do prank us maybe octopuses are the alien prank Oh. Right, they just threw a bunch of octopuses at the, <laughs> our planet and were like, oh, try to figure that out. <laughs> Isn't that like the plot of Watchmen? Like, he like <laughs> oh yeah, it like rains octopuses yeah. in, in that show. It rains squids, but squids. that was, uh, I mean, technically the plot was, we'll bring a giant squid on Earth, people will think there's aliens, and because there'll be another enemy like all humans will fall in line and like agree to be friendly because now there's an an, an apex predator out there for us. Right. But the truth is that it was mm. just a human pulling essentially a prank on the world yeah. for peace, but it killed millions of people. It's there's layers and it's not good. <laughs> I wish what had happened is that the humans then teamed up with the cephalopods in the ocean because basically this was an atrocity against both humans and cephalopod, right? Because like raining squid from the sky, like that kills the squids too. Right. So if we yeah. had teamed up with the cephalopods, like look, humanity and cephalopods now have this common purpose, which is these stupid ass superheroes that are like destroying our lives. And we team up. You've got Aquaman down there, like running amok, being a total snitch and like interfering in your fish business. Let's team up and form the human cephalopod coalition. Hmm. I'm here for it. This is my pitch for not just a movie, but what we should actually do in real life. It's a new way of life, a new movement. Right. Starting right now. You heard it here first. <laughs> nice. Well, thank you so much, you guys, for joining me and getting pranked. I feel like a good way of ending the episode would have been to play an actual prank on you guys. But <laughs> it's I feel like the biggest prank right now is just real life. So. Yes, we are all being pranked. I don't feel like it's fair for me to add to that. So I will just <laughs> genuinely thank you for coming on the show today. This is thank you. Thank you for having me, first of all. But also, it's generally not a time to prank people. No. Right? That's good advice. Yeah. Yeah. Unless the prank, again, is like a nice prank. Like, I got you butt cream. Turns out it's a switch, but also butt cream in case you do need it. Like, right. that would be the, that's like the best <laughs> prank, right? Like, here's a box full of toilet paper that I bought you. And it is actually toilet paper. Is, right. Is that people... even a prank anymore? Because like- Toilet like paper's a, a gift, gift now. Are you kidding right, me? Right, exactly. It's like gold. Right, right now, if you TP someone's house, they're going right. to be like, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, like like that is like a nice prank now. Like, here's some free toilet paper. Thank yeah. you. Oh, my God. So thoughtful. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why it had to be in my trees, but I'm not going right. to complain. Yeah. yeah, no. Toilet paper is toilet paper. Like if you and like if you if you like TP a tree in like a public park, then it's toilet paper for everyone. For everybody, mm. yeah. Yeah, don't do that though. It's a waste of TP and also vandalism. Van yeah, I mean people've got to get it down. It's a big annoying thing. But just t have the modern day TPing just be you give TP to people in need. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then you can still act like a jerk about it. Be like, yeah, you got TP'd, and then you skateboard away, right. and they're like, thank you. 
And also, like, unused. Unused TP. Oh, no. Yes. Who's spreading used TP? Why are you collecting I'm that? Just saying, I'm, I'm just saying. I'm very grossed out. <laughs> Is that, like, we should specify? I don't know that we needed to. <laughs> well, we did. I don't think we did, though. I don't but think we, did, we did need to. I know you did. I don't think <laughs> we needed to. I feel like there was a tacit understanding. Right. You know, when I'm like, hey, we need to get some new toilet paper, not followed up by new or used. Right. Sure. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if it's just like a conversation around the house, I'm just saying like <laughs> podcast instructions <laughs> to the world. I guess I guess for legal reasons, we should be sure. as specific as possible, like a genie wish. Yeah. Gift people with toilet paper, but it's not been used and it's not so much toilet paper that it like drowns them or something. I yeah. guess. You know? no, no wish master. <laughs> no, no wish master. Right, exactly. Situation. No like yeah. monkey's paw toilet paper. Like it's toilet paper, mm-hmm. but it was like made out of. Sandpaper? Sandpaper, oh god. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least she'll be exfoliated. Anyways, um, guys, do you have anything to plug other than toilet paper? I'll I'll plug uh, my Patreon for Gamefully Unemployed. Patreon.com slash Gamefully Unemployed. You can check it out. We have have all sorts of podcasts. and if you meet a spider, be nice and let it let it get right in that ear. Yeah. Uh, no, banish spiders from your ears. I'm going <laughs> to sleep with earplugs tonight because now I'm terrified. Uh, if you guys are watching the new HBO series Lovecraft Country and you're interested in some behind the scenes, what did Ooh. that mean or where did that come from? You can follow me on the AV Club as I recap <gasps> that series. It's Ooh. been so much fun. Oh my I'm God. really enjoying it. Uh, is, and, yeah. It's only the one episode right now. Right? So far, yeah. The second episode comes out. If you're listening to this podcast, it came out last Sunday. Oh, my God. Okay. I'm so excited. I'm both like excited for the show, and I'm also so excited to read your take on it. Joel. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I, I really like the first episode. I'm very excited. I haven't seen it yet, so don't spoil it for me. I, I, I won't. But it's good? Good? Yeah. It looks really good. Okay, great. Yeah. Uh, and you can find us on the internet at Creature Feature Pod, on Instagram at Creature Feet Pod, on Twitter. That's F E A T, not F E E T. That's <laughs> And you can find me on Twitter at Katie Golden, where, you know, I just have my Katie thoughts. And as always, I am at Pro Bird Rights, where I argue is birds people? Yes. Birds is people. Birds is people. Yeah. Thank you so much to the Space Cossacks for their super awesome song, Exolumina. Creature Feature is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts like the one you just heard, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or hey, wherever you listen to your favorite shows. See you next Wednesday. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, the podcast from Hell of Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Like our recent episode with sisters Regina and Raina King about the why behind their production company, Royal Ties. We have such a huge love for storytelling without walls, without barriers. Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.